ever thought to yourself, the reason why this person is so successful is that they basically had their destiny handed to them on a silver platter. Belief that all the doors are going to open for you because you know the right person or you've been connected to the right people or that someone is going to put a good word in for you is actually unscriptural because the God that we serve is not a God who has favorites. Quite on the contrary, the Bible teaches us that no one gets a free pass to destiny, not even if you're Solomon. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral. Thank you for listening. And today, as you join us on the Day of Destiny, time of teaching, we pray that your life is going to be shifted into a supernatural stratosphere that you've never experienced before in your life. But before we get started today on today's Day of Destiny, prophetic word that God is going to give to you, I would like to invite you to join our newsletter family. And you can do that, dear friends, at joining us today at mydayofdestiny.com, where you can also purchase my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. That's mydayofdestiny.com. You can get our newsletter, all of our books, see what's happening, and refresh all of the podcasts. I love you. God bless you. And now let's go to today's prophetic word. Hello, beloved. Today, I'm going to be speaking to you about how to possess your prophetic word. The promise that God has given you, the prophecy that God has given you from his word that's over your life. All of that which you have been through for your whole life has been prepared for such a time as this. Today, we are going to look at the supernatural secrets in God's word that are going to teach us how to overcome the obstacles that would try to hold back our destiny. Today, I'm going to be speaking to you about overcoming the detriments to destiny. I'm speaking to you today about the Solomon anointing. Now, beloved saints, let's begin. Beginning in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Now, many of you have probably already thought to yourselves, when you think of King Solomon, you think of Easy Street. When you think of King Solomon, you think of, wow, this was a guy who didn't have to go through anything. All he had to do was just kind of uh, just slide into his destiny because his father left him such an incredible inheritance. His father walked in the ways of God. And now Solomon is just going to inherit everything that in the spirit David laid up for him. But even if you're Solomon or whether you're Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, whoever you are in God's word, there is no such thing as a free pass 
to destiny. You see, these things are not written just so we know they happened. They're not written so we can become experts in biblical history and somehow have the biblical narrative uh, mastered in our minds because we've memorized it. No, beloved. When we study God's word, these things are written that we might understand that God's word is personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant. Let's look at the word of God. The Bible says, and Adonijah, the son of Haggit, said to himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared himself chariots and horsemen, 50 men to run before him. And his father had not discouraged him or displeased him at any time. Neither has he ever said, why have you done so? And he was also a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. Now, beloved saints, we're going to get into this because this seems very, very much like a boring piece of Hebrew history. But actually, what the scripture is teaching us is that first Kings leaves a legacy for us for that every generation to follow how Solomon was able to reach the stratospheres of success in his life by overcoming obstacles that would be considered detriments to destiny. You see, the author of 1 Kings leaves a legacy for every generation and reveals to us that in the natural, Solomon should have been detoured from his destiny. The author of 1 Kings has preserved a posterity by preserving the principles of supernatural success and the supernatural success secrets that are given to us in the word of God. They have been applied to the life of Solomon. And I want you to know, beloved, they can also be applied to your life. So let's go through three supernatural strategies for success that are hidden for us in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And the first supernatural success secret that we see here, and I call it a gateway to the Solomon anointing, is that you must be willing to go through the battle to possess your prophetic promise. Now, you might say, Dr. Corral, if I've received a word, I've received a word. And why should I have to go through any kind of battle to possess the promise that God has given to me? Well, I want you to know 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5, 6, and 7 was written so that we know that even if there is a word over your life, such as the word that was given over King David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, when Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed David to be king, he did not become king till at least 13 years later. And the question arises, we must go through the proving process 
of destiny. No one gets a free pass without experiencing the examination for exaltation into their highest prophetic purpose and promise. So now, beloved saints, the prophetic word that God is going to show us in the word of God in a literal sense of scripture is being presented to us as a prelude to the power of the throne of David. And the scripture is going to teach us here in 1 Kings chapter 1 that there is a behind the scenes story. Now, I want to tell you something. For many of us, when we see a picture oftentimes, or we see a family photo shoot, or we see somebody in a big, beautiful house, or somebody with the perfect car, the perfect wife, the perfect children, we think, wow, they got a free pass, or wow, they got that destiny because they had the perfect job, they had the perfect wife, or they had everything handed to them on a silver platter. But God is going to show us the prophetic agenda of the author of 1 Kings chapter 1. And 1 Kings chapter 1 is actually going to give us a behind the scenes view that maybe you never knew before about Solomon. We are going to see that the scripture is going to show us that there is a preview that the scripture is going to show us into Solomon's destiny that you may never have perceived about Solomon. You may have thought in your back of your mind. Solomon never had to face confrontation, nor did he ever have to go through any sort of tribulation in order to possess what God promised him. He just waltzed into his destiny. Well, beloved saints, let me show you that the scripture is showing us a completely different picture. There is a backstory to Solomon's anointing. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, 1 Kings, in 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2 could actually be subtitled with the title, The Battle to Possess Your Prophetic Word. This is because the author of 1 Kings is going to elaborate on the obstacles that suddenly arose to prevent Solomon from possessing his prophetic prophecy that was given over his life before he was ever born. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 22, and we are going to look at verses 9 and 10. Because when we look at First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10, we are going to see that the prophet Nathan actually spoke a word over Solomon, gave his name to David spoke his destiny before he was born. But now we are looking at the king who is going to proceed, who's going to follow the life of David. David is ready to pass away. He's ready to go be with the Lord. And now there's going to be a successor set in place. And Adonijah thinks it's him. You see, Adonijah had everything planned in place. And this is why he could boldly go out and say, I'm the king. Why? Because first of all, let's look at this prophecy that was given to Solomon when before he was a child, before he was even in his mother's womb, before he was born. And this is a type and a shadow of the word of God over your life. Before you were born, 
You know, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before you were born, I knew you and I sanctified you to be a prophet unto the nations. Psalm 139 teaches us about the predestined purpose that God has ordained for every single one of you. God already wrote in his book who you are supposed to be, where you are supposed to go, what you are supposed to accomplish for his glory. But it's up to us to read the script. It's us to us. It's up to us to be able to read the word of God, to understand, read the script about our life, look into the mirror, which is God's holy word, and see the supernatural secrets that are hidden in God's word that will open the doors of destiny for our lives. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10. And we are going to actually look at this prophetic agenda. We're going to compare it in context with First Kings chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. And we are going to see that the author of First Kings is actually going to elaborate upon the obstacles that are going to prevent Solomon from possessing his prophetic promise. But first, let us look at that prophetic promise. First Chronicles 22, verses 9 and 10 says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, a man of rest, and I will give him rest from his enemies round about. And his name shall be Solomon, and he shall build my house, and he shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel, of Israel forever. Now, in a literal sense of scripture, God promised this prophecy over Solomon's life before he was born. That's what First Chronicles 22 verses 9 and 10 is all about then we need to ask the question, what in the world is the author of First Kings doing when the author of First Kings is presenting to us all of these unbelievable obstacles that are political, that are religious, and that are absolutely going to block Solomon from taking the possession of the promise that was spoken over his life. In a literal sense of scripture, as we see God promised Solomon this before he was born, and we see this prophetic promise that he was going to be king and that he was going to bring Israel into the supernatural summit of their existence. He was going to build God's temple. This was his destiny. And that he was going to bring Israel into the culmination of exaltation by building the temple was spoken over his life before he is born. But now let us go back to the first Kings narrative. We are going to see that there is an insurmountable amount of circumstances that are going to evolve over the years before Solomon can actually become king. And we are going to see that it's going to come to a head. All of these issues, there were issues that transpired five and six and seven years before David was ready to go be with the Lord. And these particular circumstances began to, began to accumulate. 
You know, beloved, in your life, there are circumstances that don't just happen suddenly, but they accumulate. And before you know it, they can become insurmountable circumstances. And that's exactly what happened. Life just happened. Solomon was in birth order, not the candidate to become the next king of Israel. And the scripture is going to present this huge, insurmountable problem coupled together with all the other issues that had transpired in the life of King David with his other sons. So that while King David was on his deathbed and very weak and tired and worn out emotionally, worn out spiritually, he is not in the mood by any means to go through another experience like Absalom. He's already been taken down to the lowest level that he could go. It broke his heart more than any other experience, even more than Saul when he was young. What? the retaliation of Absalom and what Absalom did to usurp authority and to take the throne. And you and I need to understand that this was such a grievous experience over King David's life that now at the end of his life, he can't even get out of bed. He can't even pronounce who the next king is going to be. So automatically Adonijah is going to proclaim himself king. So let us look at some of these uh, insurmountable circumstances that evolved throughout the years that came to a head right at the time Solomon was destined to possess his prophecy. You see, sometimes at the very moment that God has called you to possess your prophetic word, insurmountable obstacles will appear and it will look totally the opposite. It will look like God spoke this word over your life, but how can it possibly come to pass? Because all of the circumstances that surround your life are saying that is not going to happen. That is absolutely impossible. You've got to be kidding. There is no way you're going to be able to possess your prophecy or possess what God has promised to you because the circumstances are not allowing it. You see, for some of you, it's like your prophecy has been locked in a prison or others of you. God has spoken a word over your life. Life, but the circumstances are so severe that there's no way you'd have to break a system open or you'd have to change or God would have to change a culture or God would have to do something so dramatic and it seems so highly unlikely that this would ever happen. But I've got a word for you. If God has spoken a word over your life, it will come to pass and you cannot be passive about it. You've got to go up and possess the promise that God has spoken over your life. You cannot allow any religious system. You cannot allow any political system. You cannot allow man to stop you from going to be the person God has called you to be and to walk through those doors of destiny that God has ordained for your life. Let's look at the word. Now, beloved saints, the very first supernatural secret that I'm going to share with you to possess your prophetic word is don't let power and intimidation be a tool of manipulation to manipulate you out of who God called you to be. I'm going to say it again. Could you repeat this with me? Don't let power and intimidation be a tool of manipulation 
to rob you from who God called you to be, to rob you from your prophetic promise. You see the first strategic step in the battle to possess your prophetic promise is found here in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggit, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And as we read earlier, his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, why have you done so? And he was a very goodly man. And his mother bore him after Absalom. Let's look at this. First of all, King David is totally worn out. He is not going to stop another son from trying to be king because just a few months prior to this event, Absalom took David through the most excruciating emotional trauma he's ever been through in his life. His own son tried to take over the kingdom. And why did Absalom do that? Not only because Absalom had a wicked spirit, but we must also understand that Absalom felt entitled to it. Why? Because the firstborn king of uh, the firstborn crown prince Amnon was already dead, who Absalom uh, orchestrated his murder. And now Absalom is the next in line in birth order. And this is what entitled Absalom, besides all of his other uh, premeditated plans to undermine his father. This is what entitled Absalom to actually begin an insurrection against King David because he's next in the throne. He's number two in birth order. And so now we see Absalom's dead. So let's go through the birth order right now. We see Amnon, he was murdered by Absalom. Absalom is now dead and he was murdered by Joab. Then we go to the third one, Chileab, and he was also murdered some way, but we don't know how. The Bible does not give us Chileab's uh, actual background. So now we know the next one in line, number four, who has the right to the throne. He's number four in the birthright order. He has already exalted himself. His father isn't even dead yet. His father has not even pronounced who is going to be his successor. But you know that Adonijah has already proclaimed himself to be king because why? Entitlement. He is the one who is actually legally entitled to that position. And this is why the Bible tells us his father had not displeased him at any time saying, why have you done so? You, you have to understand, David was tired. David was worn out. David is exhausted. David is not about to go through another Absalom experience. So I'm very sorry, Solomon, that you got this word before you were born. And yes, the Lord spoke it to me, but I do not have the strength or the stamina to go through another Absalom experience. David is now 70 years old. He's on his deathbed. He does not have the strength to withstand any of this nonsense that Adonijah has presented against his father and proclaiming himself to be king. Now, we. this is why the context concerns itself with the fact that his father had not displeased him at any time saying, why have you done so? And he was a very goodly man. 
You know what that means? That means he was quite handsome. And he reminds the public a lot of Absalom. Oh my gosh, Is are we on replay or what's going on here? Have you ever been through a situation and it seems like replay? You say, wait a minute, I've been there, done that. How can this be happening again? That's exactly what was going on with King David. And he's not about to start an insurrection and fight with his son. He's not about to say, hey, son, you're out of order. My baby son, Solomon, is going to be king. No, that was not in the equation, even though Solomon had a word. Even though God already commanded from heaven before Solomon was born, Solomon is my choice. But you see, all the political Strings have to be pulled for that to happen. And now the scripture is showing us he's number four. This is why the Bible says he was a very goodly man. He looked just like Absalom and his mother bare him after Absalom. What does that mean? That means Haggit was not the mother of Absalom. She was the mother of Adonijah. The mother of Absalom was Ma'aka. But we do see here that birth order number four. He's right after Absalom, so he's legally entitled to this place. So you see now the scripture is showing us how we can become so manipulated. We can become so intimidated. We can become intimidated over circumstances that seem impossible to change. We can become manipulated over political power and over someone's great spiritual position that could rob us from what God has ordained for us. But we see here in first Kings chapter one, verses five and six, the scripture is showing us the circumstances house of power and intimidation could have been a tool of manipulation to rob Solomon of his prophetic promise because legally Adonijah was next in line and he was next in line for the crown in the descendancy of the birth order and the scripture is now presenting this problem so you and I will know that you and I need to overcome those types of obstacles that nothing can stop you when God has given a prophetic word even even birth order. Let us look at the second supernatural secret. The second supernatural secret that we are seeing here is the supernatural secret that you don't need to accept complications as cancellations to your destiny. Can you say this with me? I will not accept the complications as cancellations to my destiny. Now, let me just explain that a little bit. All right. I want to ask you a question. What are you made of? Are you made of weakness? Are you made of fear? Does anxiety and what people think control all your decisions? Or are you made of the things that God has promised in his word I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will not become intimidated by my circumstances. Can you really square your shoulders and say, I'm better than this? I can go forward and do what God has called me to do. You see, beloved, we're living in a generation that thinks that everything should be just handed to us on a silver platter. You know, 
If a little bit of complications is really going to be your quote unquote sign from God, you should not do this. Then Hudson Taylor should have never gone to China. You see, Hudson Taylor, the founder of the Inland Christian Mission, was a sickly young man his whole entire life. And as a matter of fact, the missionary board said he's not qualified. He's too sick and he's got too many strange ways. We absolutely do not think that Hudson Taylor is qualified to be a missionary in China. But you see, he had a vision. And though he was challenged most of his life with very severe, severe health issues like tuberculosis, he didn't allow complications to mean that God is saying the whole thing's canceled because there are complications that oftentimes we, when we're not walking in the fullness of grace, we can accept complications as cancellations to God's will. Now, I want to ask you a question. What kind of grace do you possess? Do you possess costly grace? Grace that cost Jesus everything? Are you willing to accept costly grace, that you will prove yourselves above all things to be the ministers of God? Or is the grace you've received cheap grace? That means I'm going to throw the towel in. The minute there's complications, it can't possibly be God's will because I'm not at the top. Or it can't possibly be God's will because I have to drive 50 miles out of my way. It can't possibly be God's will because I have to work overtime. It can't possibly be God's will because I have to go through all this trouble to get there and I don't have the finances or I have to work two jobs to make it happen. Let me tell you something. The way you are going to possess your destiny is when you do not accept complications as cancellations to your destiny. And you see, this is what First Kings is showing us all about, beloved. Do not accept complications to be perceived as cancellations. Let's continue in the context. And we are going to look here and see in First Kings chapter 1, verse 6, that it seems very out of character for David during all of his career, that he completely submitted himself to the word of God, that now on his deathbed, that he should challenge the word of Nathan the prophet who gave him this word that it should be Solomon. And now he is allowing Adonijah to proclaim himself king. And he's totally ignoring the prophecy that was given to him in first, in first Chronicles 22, speaking about Solomon's life. And this, beloved saints, is because the text wants us to know that there were also some political problems that were also obstacles in the way. There were also emotional problems that became a block. And sometimes there are huge emotional blocks that we need to understand that can block us. In this case, it was a huge emotional block on the life of King David after all the trauma that he went through with Solomon. But the Bible is showing us here, if we look at the scripture, beloved saints, we are going to see that there was also political challenges. Notice what the Bible said. All of the political power and religious power aligned themselves behind Adonijah. 
And the Bible says, and he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abiatar, the high priest, and they, following Adonijah, supported Adonijah. Now, wait a minute. No one is supporting Solomon because Solomon's way down in the birth lab and the birth order. Solomon was one that was born to David in Jerusalem. These were older sons. These are sons that had a right. And now we see that even Joab, who is acting as a prime minister while David's on his deathbed, he is all the political power and he's all the political military force. And he's backing up his man. His man is Adonijah. And we're also seeing that the priest uh, Abiathar, who was with King David all throughout his days, wandering in the, when David went through the trials in the wilderness with Saul, Abiathar already has a great reputation of being a steadfast uh, member of David's uh, entourage. And he is also backing up Adonijah. But no one has even mentioned Solomon. No one's even going to back up Solomon. And if you see that the ones that were not invited to the coronation the day that Adonijah is actually anointing himself was that up the priest and he didn't dare invite Nathan the prophet. Why? Because Adonijah was already aware of the prophecy that was over the life of Solomon. So we see that we cannot accept cancellations. We cannot accept any sort of complication to be perceived as a cancellation for our destiny. And the final one that I want us to see today in the supernatural secrets of the Solomon anointing and how to possess your prophetic word is that you, this third strategic step or this third supernatural secret that we're going to see here in uh, 1 Kings chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 is that God wants to show you how to press past the dangers of discouragement. Because here we see, dear people of God, that there is a conflict going on. And sometimes we can completely feel hopeless. He's already anointing himself. He's got all the political power behind him. He's got my father who's not even objecting, even though there's a word and Nathan spoke the word over my life before I was born. It seems impossible. There's no way that this can possibly happen, that my word can possibly come to pass. But I want you to know, dear people of God, 1 Kings chapter 1 was written so that we press past the discouragements that try to stop us from our destiny. And we see that the prophet Nathan comes up with a plan because King, because Bathsheba goes to him and says, did you not know that right now that Adonijah is proclaiming himself to be king? And they put together a plan that they will go together to King David. And they will say to King David, remember that you promised your handmaiden before Solomon was ever born that he would be king. And I will remember that Nathan the prophet tells her, I will come in and confirm the words that you're speaking. See, beloved saints, King David on that deathbed being approached by Bathsheba and then later the um, the confirmation that's going to be given by Nathan the prophet 
is like the Holy Spirit confirming the word. And we all know the end of the story. When Bathsheba went into the king's chamber and brought to the king's remembrance the word that was spoken over Solomon's life, and Nathan the prophet came in and confirmed the words. Nathan the prophet is a type of Holy Spirit who confirms the word of our prophetic promise. David rose up and said, put Solomon on my mule and bring Zadok the priest and bring Nathan the prophet and bring Bananiah down to the river Kishon and anoint him and proclaim Solomon to be king. Beloved saints, I pray that today you receive this prophetic promise. Go in unto the king, remind the king of your word, and let the Holy Spirit confirm those words. Apply every one of these prophetic promises and strategic steps that we gave you today and go forward into your highest prophetic promises. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and you're listening to Day of Destiny.